The mountain sheep is back. Yep, and so are Chip and Eric. Yeah, Chip and Eric and the mountain sheep. Read through the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least two of us will do it. Yeah, you and the mountain sheep. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. Can't wait. Hey, thank you guys for tuning back in. And we are excited to read to you today. Kind of, it seems like what might be kind of a long reading. So we're going to kind of jump right into it. Yeah, we're going to jump into it like a mountain sheep would. Yeah. Go ahead, mountain sheep. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that was the first word. Yeah, I'll go ahead and finish (laughs) up for the mountain sheep. Just take a break. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, Mike. Mike Miles is here. Happy birthday, Mike. Can you kill this mountain sheep? Oh, yeah, Eric, no problem at all. Be right there. All right, Mike's going to take care of the mountain sheep. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Can Thank we get you so a free much. pizza while you're at it? Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm bringing you a free pizza right now. Here I go. It's going to be mountain sheep pizza. It's going to be amazing. Okay, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. All right, take over for the mountain sheep. You must set aside a tithe of your crops, one-tenth of all the crops you harvest each year. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored, and eat it there in his presence. This applies to your this applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn males of your flocks and herds. Doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. Now, when the Lord your God blesses you with a good harvest, the place of worship he chooses for his name to be honored might be too far for you to bring the tithe. If so, you may sell the tithe portion of your crops and herds, put the money in a pouch, and go to the place where the Lord your God has chosen. When you arrive, you may use the money to buy any kind of food you want, cattle, sheep, goats, wine, or other alcoholic drink. Then... Feast there in the presence of the Lord your God and celebrate with your household and do not neglect the Levites in your town, for they will receive no allotment of land among you. At the, at the end of every third year, bring the tithe, entire tithe of that year's harvest and store it in the nearest town. Give it to the Levites, who will receive no allotment of land among you, as well as to the foreigners living among you, the orphans and the widows in your towns, so they can eat and be satisfied. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all your work. Well, at the end of the seventh year, you must cancel the debts of everyone who owes you money. Oh. This is how it must be done. Everyone must cancel the loans they have made to their fellow Israelites. They must not demand payment from their neighbors or relatives, for the Lord's time of release has arrived. This release from debt, however, applies only to your fellow Israelites, not to the foreigners living among you. Okay, no blessing for them. Hmm. There should be no poor among you, for the Lord your God will greatly bless you in the land he is giving you as a special possession. You will receive the blessing if you're careful to obey all the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today. The Lord your God will bless you as he promised. You will lend money to many nations that will never need to borrow. You'll rule many nations, but they will not rule over you. But if there are any poor Israelites in your towns when you arrive in the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Instead, be generous and lend to them whatever they need. Do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone a loan because the year for canceling debts is close at hand. If you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you'll be considered guilty of sin. Give generously to the poor and grudgingly, uh, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. There will always be some in the land who are poor. That is why I'm commanding you to share freely with the poor and with the other Israelites in need. If a fellow Hebrew sells himself or herself to be your servant and serves you for six years, in the seventh year you must set that servant free. When you release a male servant, do not send him empty-handed. Give him a generous farewell gift from your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. Share with him some of the bounty with which the Lord your God has blessed you. Remember that you were once slaves in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I'm giving you this command. Good idea. 
But suppose your servant says, I will not leave you because he loves you and your family and he has done well with you. In that case, take it all and push it through his earlobe into the door. Hmm. In that, he will be your servant for life and do the same for your female servants. You must not consider it a hardship when you release your servants. Remember that for six years, they've been giving you services worth double the wages of hired workers and the Lord your God will bless you in all you do. You must set aside for the Lord your God all the firstborn males from your flock and herds. Do not use the firstborn of your herds to work your fields and do not shear the firstborn of your flocks. Instead, you and your family must eat these animals in the presence of the Lord your God each year at the place he chooses. But if the firstborn animal has any defect, such as lameness or blindness, or if anything else is wrong with it, you must not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. Instead, use it for food for your family in your hometown. Anyone, whether ceremonially clean or unclean, may eat it just as anyone may eat a gazelle or a deer. Mm. But you must not consume the blood. You must pour it out on the ground like water. In honor of the Lord your God, celebrate the Passover each year in early spring in the month of Abib. For that was the month in which the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night. Your Passover sacrifice may be from either the flock or the herd, and it must be sacrificed to the Lord your God at the designated place of worship, the place he chooses for his name to be honored. Eat it with bread made without yeast. For seven days, the bread you eat must must be made without yeast, as when you escaped from Egypt in such a hurry. Eat this bread, the bread of suffering, so that as long as you live, you will remember the day you departed from Egypt. Let no yeast be found in any house throughout your land for those seven days. And when you sacrifice the Passover lamb on the evening of the first day, do not let any of the meat remain until the next morning. You may not sacrifice the Passover in just any of the towns that the Lord your God is giving you. You must offer it only at the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. Sacrifice it there in the evening as the sun goes down on the anniversary of your exodus from Egypt. Roast the lamb and eat it in the place the Lord your God chooses. Then you may go back to your tents the next morning. For the next six days, you may not eat any bread made made with yeast. On the seventh day, proclaim another holy day in honor of the Lord your God, and no work may be done on that day. Count off seven weeks from when you first begin to cut the grain at the time of harvest. Then celebrate the festival of harvest to honor the Lord your God. Bring him a voluntary offering in proportion to the blessings you have received from him. This is a time to celebrate before the Lord your God at the designated place of worship he will choose for his name to be honored. Celebrate with your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, the Levites from your towns and the foreigners, orphans, and widows who live among you. Hmm. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, so be careful to obey all these decrees. You must observe the festival of shelters for seven days at the end of the harvest season after the grain has been threshed and the grapes have been pressed. This festival will be a happy time of Hmm. celebrating with your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levites, foreigners, orphans, and widows from your towns. For seven days, you must celebrate this festival to honor the Lord your God at the place he chooses, for it is he who blesses you with bountiful harvest and gives you success in all your work. This festival will be a time of great joy for all. Each year, every man in Israel must celebrate these three festivals, the Festival of Unleavened Bread, the Festival of Harvest, and the Festival of Shelters. On each of these occasions, all men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he chooses, but they must not appear before the Lord without a gift for him. All must be all must give as they are able, according to the blessings given, given to them by the Lord your God. Appoint judges and officials for yourselves from each of your tribes and all the towns the Lord your God is giving to you. They must judge the people fairly. You must never twist justice or show partiality. Never accept the bribe, for bribes blind the eyes of the wise and corrupt the decisions of the godly. Let true justice prevail, so you may live and occupy the land the Lord your God is giving to you.
You may, you must never set up a wooden Asherah pole because the altar you build for the Lord your God and never set up sacred pillars for worship for the Lord your God hates them. Never sacrifice sick or defective cattle, sheep, or goats to the Lord your God, for he detests such gifts. When you begin living in the towns the Lord your God is giving to you, a man or woman among you might do evil in the sight of the Lord your God and violate the covenant. For instance, they might serve other gods or worship the sun, the moon, or any of the stars, the forces of heaven, which I have strictly forbidden. When you hear about it, investigate the matter thoroughly. If it's true that this detestable thing that has been done in Israel, then the man or woman who has committed such an evil act must be taken to the gates of the town and stoned to death. But never put a person to death the testimony of only one witness. There must always be two or three witnesses. The witnesses must throw the first stones, and then all the people may join in. In this way, you'll purge the evil from among you. Suppose a case arises in a local court that's too hard for you to decide. For instance, whether someone is guilty of murder or only of manslaughter, or a difficult lawsuit or a case involving different kinds of assault, take such legal cases to the place the Lord your God will choose and present them to the Levitical priests or the judge on duty at the time. They'll hear the case and declare the verdict. You must carry out the verdict they announce and the sentence they prescribe at the place the Lord chooses. You must do exactly what they say. After they have interpreted the law and declared their verdict, the sentence they impose must be fully executed. Do not modify it in any way. Anyone arrogant enough to reject the verdict of the judge or the priest who represents the Lord your God must die. In this way, you will purge the evil from Israel. Then everyone else will hear about it and be afraid to act so ignorantly. You're about to enter the land the Lord your God is giving you. When mm. you take it over and settle there, you may think, we should select a king. Oh, oh. we should have a king. Oh. <laughs> da, 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 da. I don't know if that's a king. I don't know. Probably not. We should select a king to rule over <laughs> us like the other nations around us. If this happens, be sure to select mm. as king the man the Lord your God chooses. You must appoint a fellow Israelite. He may not be a foreigner. Mm-hmm. The king must not build up a large stable of horses for himself or send his people to Egypt to buy horses. For the Lord has told you, you must never return to Egypt. Never. The king must not take many wives for himself because they will turn his heart away from the Lord. And he must not accumulate large amounts of wealth in silver and gold for himself. Hmm. When he sits on the throne as king, he must occupy for himself this body of instruction. He must occupy. He must copy. Oh. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah. He must copy for himself this body of instruction on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priests. He must always keep that copy with him and read it daily as long as he lives. Wow. That way. He will learn to fear the Lord his God by obeying all the terms of these instructions and decrees. This regular reading will prevent him from becoming proud and acting as if he is above his fellow citizens. It will also prevent him from turning away from these commands in the smallest way, and it will ensure that he and his descendants will reign for many generations in Israel. Remember that the Levitical priest, that is the whole of the tribe of Levi, will receive no allotment of land among the other tribes in Israel. Instead, the priests and the Levites will eat from the special gifts given to the Lord, for that is their share. They'll have no land of their own among the Israelites. The Lord himself is their special possession, just as he promised to them. These are the priests that may claim as their share from the cattle, sheep and the goats that the people bring as offerings, the shoulder, the cheeks, and the stomach. He must also give to the priest the first share of the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and the wool at the shearing time. For the Lord your God chose the tribe of Levi out of all your tribes to minister in the Lord's name forever. Suppose that a Levite chooses to move from his town in Israel. Whenever he's living, 
to the place the Lord chooses for worship. He may minister there in the name of the Lord his God, just like all of his fellow Levites who are serving the Lord there. He may eat his share of the sacrifices and offerings, even if he also receives support from his family. When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, be very careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. For example, never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering, and do not let your people practice fortune-telling or use sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics or call forth the spirits of the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. It is because the other nations have done these detestable things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. You, but you must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you are about to displace consult sorcerers and fortune tellers, but the Lord your God forbids you to do such things. Moses continued, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him, for this is what you yourselves requested of the Lord your God when you were assembled at Mount Sinai. You said, Don't let us hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore or see his blazing fire, for we will die. Then the Lord said to me, what they have said is right. I will raise up a prophet like you from among the fe their fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell the people everything I command him. I will personally deal with anyone who will not listen to the messages a prophet proclaims on my behalf. But any prophet who falsely claims to speak in my name or speaks in the name of another god must die. Mm. But you may wonder, how will we know whether or not a prophecy is from the Lord? If the prophet speaks in the Lord's name, but his prediction does not happen or come true, you will know that the Lord did not give that message. That prophet has spoken without my authority and need not be feared. Hmm. That's the end of our reading. That is the end of the reading. Yeah, that's page 300 of my book. It's strange, it's page 300 in my book. Wow, we must have the same book. Yeah. Hey, guys. Yeah. Two semi-ordinary pastors that reading does. an extraordinary book. Happens to be the same book together uh, to some wonderful people. That's you. Truly amazing people. Incredible. Just fabulous people. Yep. Fabamundo. Fabamundo? Mm-hmm. Oh, apparently we're doing it in Spanish now. Oh, okay. That's what it sounded like. It did sound like yeah. Anyway, we got two questions in mind. What's this telling us about God? Yeah. What's this telling us about us? Mm -hmm. How should we live? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, what is this telling us about God? Well, the earlier part of the reading, what it tells me is that God is a giver, mm -hmm. and he wants us to give willingly, not grudgingly. God is a giver. Actually, that, that can be traced throughout all of Scripture, mm -hmm. especially when you get to the New Testament. For God so loved the world that he gave mm -hmm. his only son, Jesus, the ultimate gift. So God is a giver, and the assumption is that he wants us to be givers too. Yeah, because he wants us we to see that. Again. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. What I was going to say is also kind of from early on in the reading. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of good stuff later too, but um, I was going to say, like, the Israelites were expected to be empathic, and what I mean by that is. You know, hey, do this, do this, do this. Take care of the widow. Take care of the orphan. Take care of your servants. Take care of the foreigners living among you. Take care of the Levites. Remember, you used to be a slave. You know? Yeah, yeah and, don't forget. And so, and, and really, some of these people weren't slaves. Because remember, that first generation died off. Mm -hmm. So, like, some of these people were not slaves. 
in Egypt, but the national identity is your yeah. nation used to be slaves. Right. Uh, Moses could say, you know, I was there. <laughs> I witnessed this. And, um, you know, that is supposed to generate not resentment and not like, well, I had to go through it, so you have to go through it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, not like a, well, pay your dues, rite of passage. It's supposed to create within these people empathy. You know, I think sometimes we're like, well, I had hard times too and nobody helped me, mm-hmm. right? Like I hear that. That is the opposite of what God is requiring mm-hmm. of the Israelites and it's the opposite of what God is requiring of us. Just because some of us had hard times doesn't need, mean we need to be resentful towards those who didn't. And it doesn't mean that we're exempt from caring for people who are going through a hard time. Well, you did that to yourself. That's your own fault. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like... God wants us to be compassionate to mm-hmm. each other and empathic toward one another. And I think that ties directly into his generosity. Yeah. If God is Absolutely. a giver and he's saying, you need to give to these people. Remember, you were a slave. In other words, give from a place of empathy, mm-hmm. a place of remembering where you've been and where God has brought you from. And be generous because of your story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's very good. Got anything good you want to throw in there? Um, I, th- I, th- I think of the word compassion. Mm-hmm. With empathy, compassionate towards people, you know, even mean, broken people, mm-hmm. you know, um, Jesus was compassionate towards those people as well. So, yeah, I think that, and that's a way to give. Mm-hmm. You know, we give compassion and grace and mercy towards those who might not deserve it. And that's what we've been blessed with. So, mm-hmm. it's a chance to give it. So, I guess the question is, is like, who. Who in your life, you know, needs that? They, I didn't say deserves it. Yeah. They, they need yeah, it. Right, right. They need it and because they're messed up and, and they're they're acting out and towards you. And I know that some of you listening are experiencing that right now. And But, you know, I know it's hard to think through, but that's the example of, of God. He's a giver and, and he gives empathy and compassion and wants us to do the same thing uh, towards other people. So I guess that's the takeaway today. Who are those people in your life that you need to extend that to? And then you get to forgiveness. And then we're getting, and then we're talking like serious, like imitating God and His generosity mm-hmm. there. And and that's when it gets real. And that's where we need to get mm-hmm. forgiving others. Totally agree. Well, okay, guys, thank you so much for yeah. tuning in today. Very thank proud you so of you, much. and hope you're sharing this around still. I know I've watched the numbers kind of trend off of sort of high oh. to kind of leveling out at a number that's a little lower. Not low, but oh. lower. Oh. And I would just say, you know, check in with each other. Keep each other accountable. Yeah. Say, you know, hey, are you still reading? Oh, no, I fell behind. You got to catch up. Got to catch up. You got to catch up. Keep people on. It's the Bible. So go out there um, and inspire people and encourage people to continue on reading the Bible every single day. Yeah, you can even pay them to do it. Yeah, pay them. Allison said she's got quite a stipend. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't hear that. I missed that business meeting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll catch the notes. She's just throwing around her money. It's crazy. Praise God. You know. God's a giver. Yeah. Allison's a giver. She sure is. She She's, takes it seriously. Literally. Yeah, she, she does. She should. She does. Yeah, she does. Wow. It's amazing. All right, everybody. Way to go. Good job. Okay. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye.